what the game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. I'm going to leave it up there. He couldn't make that if he tried that again. Welcome to Buckets, free agency edition. I'm Dan Titus, NBA analyst and producer of the Action Network, joined with Mr. No Days Off, NBA senior writer, Matt Moore. Matt, you've gone straight from the NBA finals to NBA draft. Now it's free agency in consecutive weeks, man. How do you do it? How are you feeling? When are you actually planning to sleep here? Uh, August is usually like the time to sleep. Uh <laughs> You know, it gets easier, honestly, like the finals kind of slow down a little bit just because it's like there's only one series, especially for us over here at Action. And then, you know, the draft is a crazy week. Uh, The real stressful days are these first like five days of free agency. So from now until about July 5th is when things get really stressful. You can count on one deal on July 4th. Always got to screw with our July 4th. Um, But after (laughs) that, things really do kind of slow down and tend to get back to a little bit more normal. But yeah, this is look, uh, George Carl used to call this the silly season. Uh, in terms of where the rumors and and all of the the trade talk comes from. And this is when it's funny, executives and coaches, these are really important weeks. These are important days for them to build the team. Yeah. But there's also this sense of like, look, you can build whatever team you want. You can feel good about it, but you got to get out there on the court and do it. And so there's always, it's always measured with skepticism. Uh, but it is funny just hearing the amount of of noise that comes out. And it's gotten sooner and sooner and earlier and earlier based off of how little teams seem to care for the mandates from the league not to talk. So, yeah, we've got a a whole slate full of things to talk about today, Um, even though free agency, quote, isn't going to start until July 1st. Um, We know that's not the case. So lots to get to today. Yeah, for sure. And, And as you just alluded to, tons of stuff that's already been hitting the presses and in the rumor mill. So we're going to run down. What we know right now, and obviously things are going to change over the course of the next two days. We're recording this on Tuesday afternoon. So Matt will keep you up to date on all things that go on. So make sure you check out the award-winning Action Network app as well as actionnetwork.com for the latest. But yeah, let's start off with obviously the drama that was really yesterday. What is Kyrie Irving going to do? Is he going to opt in? Is he going to opt out? Take the mid-level exception for $6 million and go to the Lakers? That ultimately didn't happen. It was interesting for, I guess, a few hours in the course of the day. Um, but him and Russell Westbrook both decided to opt into their contracts. Kyrie Irving, $36.5 million for the upcoming 22-23 season. And then you have Russell Westbrook, who opted in for a whopping $47 million. What are you hearing on the rumor mill in terms of the likelihood of Kyrie potentially doing a sign-in trade um, later on now that free agency can't officially, quote-unquote, kick off until uh, Thursday? But what are you hearing around Kyrie Irving and, and Westbrook? So Shams Rani reported that this is really funny the way Shams reported it. He was like, Kyrie Irving has decided to forego trade options and finish his commitment to the Nets. And my first question was like, this is not up to him. Like he's now an expiring contract. You exercise that option. You're an expiring contract. He does not have a no trade clause. Uh, The real question that I've talked to people in the league last night about this was it's about basically what's the pain threshold for the Nets. If Joseph Tsai, owner of the Nets decides, look, because the mandate was basically to Sean Marks and, and the team was let's get this back under control. If this has been just wild and out of control, we need to like run like a basketball organization, like a professional basketball team. And so that was where they started was like, Kyrie, if you're going to be here, we can't have you just like have part-time guy. Like we're not comfortable with that. All these types of things on an extension. And so the question now is, 
Kyrie's pretty much made it clear that he's not interested. Like he's not going to cave on any of his demands for total freedom. He's just not. And so the Nets now have to decide what they're willing to put up with, because if they talk to Kevin Durant and they, if they get in touch with Kevin Durant and they ask him and say, Hey, uh, we really don't feel like we can win with Kyrie. We think we should explore a trade. If Kevin Durant says he's gone, I'm gone. Well, then the Nets have to basically be like, welcome, Kyrie. We love you. <laughs> and if Kevin Durant is like, do what you got to do. You know, I understand it. I'm not going anywhere. I I have business here. So this is where I'm going to be. You do what you need to. He's my friend. I prefer you not trade him, but do what you got to do. You know, then he'll make the best of it. Trying to figure out what KD wants is a really tricky part here because there's been just like a lot of conversation about this. KD is, it has said himself that he is not going to stop being friends with Kyrie Irving, that, that he, they will always be friends, and that makes sense. They have a lot of connections off the court, right? Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but Kevin, Durant's, Kevin Durant loves basketball more than pretty much any other player I know. Kevin Durant loves basketball. I don't, I personally, um, that's not my assertion of it that's talking to people that know Kevin Durant is like, he loves basketball. That dude loves basketball more than, than most players. I think he loves the game and he wants to compete and he wants to win. Right. I think he knows that, like, especially after the Warriors winning the title, he's got work to do in terms of winning another title changes the perception of him all time. Does he feel like he can do that? Can he trust Kyrie? Does he feel like he can trust? Ky- we don't know. We just don't know. And right. so that's going to, I think, going to dictate a lot of where this goes. But I will say this. The question may get settled for now. But all throughout the year, this is going to be a question through the trade deadline. This is going to be a question. And. Much of this is driven by the fact that Kyrie Irving, it's not like Kyrie Irving came back to the Nets because that's what he wanted to do, even though he's going to pitch it that way. Kyrie Irving came back to the Nets because nobody was like, oh, yeah, no, we'd love to have you on a four-year deal. Everybody's (laughs) like, "Mm, you seem like a lot to do. We're good. That's fine, especially for having to give up the assets that you you would need in the sign-and-trade. So my short answer is that I still think the Nets will probably look to trade him. If they don't, I don't see this working next year. And right. much as we talked about all year on buckets, the Nets are off the board. You cannot bet Nets futures. You cannot bet Nets win totals. You cannot bet Nets futures. You need, if you were a better and you're listening to this and you're like, I really want to bet the Nets because we're, I'm going to get them at such a good price because of all the, the doubt. I am telling you the best option I can give you is to stay away. Just leave the Nets alone. There's nothing to be done here. And then on the other side of the coin, Russell Westbrook's that signing trade potentially of him maybe going to Brooklyn or somewhere else. Is there any chance that the Lakers are actually going to be able to get him off the books at 47 million? Or are we believing Darvin Ham saying that, you know, we just need Russ to lock in on defense and we see that there's a role that he's going to have around this Lakers team that's built around LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Yeah. I think the best way to kind of put this into uh, perspective is probably to say if Charlotte comes up and is like, look, we got to move Gordon, Gordon Hayward. We want to make a move. Um, we really want to be big players in the free agency next year because that that's what you, is important to keep in mind. When you're like, you're going to pay Russell Westbrook $47 million. You're going to pay some combination of players, $47 million. Right. And if sure. you pay $47 million for Russ, Russell Westbrook this year, and then don't resign him, you clear $47 million off of your cap, which means you can do whatever you want, you want. in free agency next summer. Now, if you're the Charlotte Hornets, you don't know what you're going to do with that $47 million. But that to me remains like a possibility. They've been looking for all sorts of trade options. I think that's on the table. I think. Would that be some combination of like a Hayward, Terry Rozier, somebody else? Or like, how do you see uh, Charlotte yeah, putting a package be together like, for that? I, I would say it's going to be like Hayward, Mason Plumley, 
Okay. Probably included in that. Um, and then some other pieces involved in that. The trick is that if you're another team, you're going to be asking the Lakers for assets and they just don't have them. You're going right. to be asking for like, Hey, we need a draft pick. And the Lakers are going to be like, we literally do not have them. We do not have any. For the Here's a 2027 20, first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's way down the line. Now yeah. they offer one of those up, but that definitely sweetens the deal. And again, yeah, I think there's option. There are some, like, if you want the, the, the typical Lakers option where they just wind up coming out smelling like roses, despite their process being terrible. <laughs> Indiana, I think is one to look at. Okay. And if you're, if you're thinking about Indiana, here's the thing. They want to move Malcolm Brogdon. They want to move Miles Turner. I'm not saying they would send both of those guys. Right. They would need to get the picks back from, from the Lakers. Like basically the Lakers would have to further put themselves in the draft pick debt. But um, if they feel like they can clear options to get Malcolm Brogdon and whoever else, add some pieces. Chris Duarte was mentioned as like a possible option, especially with Matherin now on board with the Pacers selected. So my point here is if you're asking like, why would the Pacers trade for Russell Westbrook? And you go, well, they're going to clear 47 million in cap. And then you answer that with like, is anyone signing in Indiana? And the answer is no. But if you're truly committed to a rebuild, which the Indiana Pacers seem to be, if you trade for Russell Westbrook and then you let him expire off the cap and then you be the team that is like, hey, we'll take whatever noxious contract you want for picks. Right. You pull the OKC route. And whoever is trying to gear up for the 2023 free agency, 2024 free agency, you take in that money, that's an option for you. Those are the type of thing, teams that are looking at Russ. But right now at $47 million, that's a hard pill, I think, for most of the owners to swallow. And right now, I think they're going to try and give it a go and try and rehab his value with the Lakers. Yeah, I think and you know, the fact that you mentioned Indiana, I think, you know, Buddy Heald was certainly on the rumor mill to be going to L.A. And with him uh, in the midst of a four-year, $94 million deal, average of what, 23.5 a year um, certainly could be a piece that's in, that's potentially involved there. If that, if they decide to go that route, um, want to go to Atlanta for a second. Well, technically San Antonio, were you surprised that DeJounte Murray and the fact that the Spurs are trying to position themselves for obviously next year's draft, um, but offering rumored from Atlanta three future first and Gallinari, that being enough to grab DeJounte Murray, do you put any, any stock in that? Like, do you think that that's really the market that would go for DeJounte Murray? Cause that just seems extremely low for a guy that was certainly in the conversation for most improved player and, and, and an all-star last year for the first time. So uh, just, just a little bit surprised that that would be the offer for uh, a guy that's, that's on a favorable deal and also ascending player in this league. So I'd love to know what the Spurs are thinking. Just like everyone would, it's hard to figure it out. Yeah. I'll say that it certainly seems based off of what everyone's saying, like San Antonio is pivoting. So San Antonio is heavily involved in draft talks, trying to move up to number four or number five to take Keegan Murray. They wanted that in the draft. That's what was the word was that they talked to both Sacramento and Detroit about moving up to four and five to try and get Keegan Murray. Um, that alone, along with the Derek White move, those two moves kind of indicate like, okay, maybe San Antonio really is here. I didn't really expect them to go for a tank job with Pop, but I do think that maybe if you're looking at this long-term about what's best for the franchise, the answer might be simply if you look at the roster and just kind of realize, look, water, we're not, tre- we're slowly drowning, right? Yeah. We're just, we're losing a little bit more every year. We went from a playoff team to a play in team to out of the play, like to, to like this very borderline status and to 10th. As that starts to slide, I think there's a recognition of like, we need a drastic reorganization. 
because we don't have the guy. We don't like Derek's not the guy. DeJounte's not the guy as good as he is. Um, you know, Devin Vassell's not the guy. Kellen Johnson's not the guy. We're going to have to right. figure this. And so when the first rumor started coming out of Atlanta, I was skeptical because I, I hadn't really gotten my brain around that they would really think to abandon and go for a rebuild. But it certainly seems like that's the case. The reports that come out of Atlanta about uh, the, of the offers are coming from Atlanta's side. So WSB reported sure. it's like not John Collins, it's Gallo and picks. Okay. And then San Antonio, a report came out of San Antonio today that suggested like it's a lot of picks. Like it's a lot of picks. And this makes a lot of sense if you think about it from the, the San Antonio perspective of basically we're going to move DeJounte. We're banking against the Hawks. There are some right. connections with the Hawks, which make this easier. So that's kind of like a complicated deal. They're not adversarial. Okay. Like those two, those two franchises are okay with each other. So versus like Houston dealing with New York is literally like, I hope you fail. I don't necessarily <laughs> know that the Spurs want the Hawks to fail. The other thing to keep in mind though, here, as far as like trying to put the pieces together, DeJounte Murray is a clutch client. Trey Young is a clutch client. And okay. if clutch and clutch is Rich on the ball getting to work. Yeah. Clutch is on the offensive with multiple guys this summer, trying to get them to situations where they're going to be major pieces of contending course. So this makes a lot of sense to try and put one of your clutch guys with another one of your clutch guys, they're friends. Anyway, Atlanta wants to make moves. This makes a lot of sense. And honestly, a DeJounte Murray, Trey young combination is about the ideal that you want. If you're trying to find a backcourt partner for Trey young. And what does that mean for John Collins being that on the Atlanta side, he wasn't even involved in this deal what are you hearing around John Collins and a potential movement on his side? Yeah. So I've got a big piece out on action network. You can check it out on the action network app uh, that breaks down a lot of the John Collins talk. And it, here's like where I think we're at. They've tried to drum up major offers and everyone knows they're so desperate to move him. I think the market's truncated Boston, Sacramento, Chicago are three teams that I've heard are interested in Collins and have kicked around. Boston has been interested in, in Collins going back a full two years. I'd say Dallas, I'm probably going to throw on that list just because they've had longstanding interest in him. I don't know if Dallas can pull it off with what they have to work with. Okay. But if the Hawks are looking for, hey, we want to, we're going to add DeJounte. We want to save a little salary and we need like rotational guys back. You know, the Mavericks can talk about, hey, we'll give you, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. and, uh, you know, Maxi Kleba because we've got Christian Wood now or sure. Dwight Powell, like these types of, of filler options where they feel like they can get return on it. The problem is the Hawks are probably going to want, like there was a standoff between the, the Hawks and the Blazers. Cause they had talked about Collins for seven. And what I heard was actually the Blazers turned down that offer, which I think is crazy. I would definitely would have traded the seventh pick for, for John Collins. Yeah. Um, and so if that's like the going rate, I think it's interesting that no, I think that Collins value is high, but I think that the Hawks leverage is low. And that I think is why Collins might wind up being moved for less than we think that he might be worth. Um, and that's the the standoff. I think the Hawks are in right now. Everyone still expects Collins to get moved. Everyone expects Bogdan Bogdanovich to get moved and everyone expects uh, Daniel Gallinari to get moved. And it's very not, I would say somewhere between possible and likely that Clint Capella gets moved. The Hawks are looking to really reconfigure the roster. Um, and I think bigger moves are coming here in the next couple of days. Yeah. And Yako and Kwangu would be a really nice fit. I mean, just in the per minute basis, he was really good last season. And curiously, you didn't mention DeAndre Hunter. So I guess they see him as a cornerstone piece at this point. Or do you think that he's another guy that you wouldn't be surprised if he was included in the deal along with the Bogdanoviches 
Clint Capella and others. Yeah. So I think, um, I think that, that pretty much everyone in Atlanta except Trey Young is on the table. Got it. That's my understanding is like, there's not a, there's not a limit for it. And if you're looking for, I don't think that you want to put in a Hawks title bet right now. And we don't have division futures. I would just tell you that I kind of lean towards the idea of being cautious again, just like we talked about with the nets, you gotta be cautious with the Hawks. They're going to be making a lot of changes and we just don't know what they're bringing back. It may be better. It may be worse, but just really think about don't overreact on a market move. When those markets come out, don't overreact to what the Hawks are going to do because one, like there's going to be, probably more moves to come. You need to see the entire picture. And honestly, there's going to be a lot of uncertainty. So I think there's a lot to figure out there. Um, staying in the Eastern Conference here, Charlotte has a decision to make whether they want to re-sign Miles Bridges. And Steve Clifford, new head coach, uh, second stint with the Charlotte Hornets. But curious to know what your thoughts are on Miles Bridges' outlook and if he could potentially be on the move as well. So uh, there's been some rumors that they're not going to offer him a max. They've got the restricted free agency rights. He's going to be back with them. It's a matter of teams are in a really weird spot right now with these free agents restricted. If you don't give them the max, you set up the possibility of them leaving in time. If you do give them the max, you're usually overpaying. <laughs> so it's a matter of like, how do you, how do you balance that? I think they're probably going to try and, and work on a solution what I would say is the most likely solution is that Bridges probably comes back on something. Actually, I'd say the most likely scenario is he comes back on a max. And the reason I say that is teams will often be like, well, I really would love to not pay the max on this. And then it just winds up. They've got no option. And they're just going to pay the max because their options are keep the player happy or risk damaging relationships. They usually go the other route. I don't necessarily know that's what they should do, but that's what I think they will do. I don't see any scenario where Bridges isn't back with Charlotte. I will say that checking around, no one has him start circle. Like there's a, a lot of teams that have different restrictive free agents in terms of how they're going to like make moves. Detroit's the only one because it, with bridges, just because Detroit's pretty much expected to go after every restricted free agent. Like they're expected to make an offer for Aiton and they're expected to make an offer for other guys. Like they're expected to make pretty, to be the team that's like, Hey, we're going to try and poison you out of signing your free agent. So they might make one, but in general, I kind of expect Bridges to quickly, pretty quickly come to terms on a contract after July 1st, after the signing period opens. I think he's back with Charlotte, no doubt, next year. Yeah, Mitch Kupchak definitely advocating for re-signing Miles Bridges. Um, and then lastly, I want to talk about uh, Zach Levine a bit. Been pretty quiet on the, on the Levine front. The Bulls really want to bring him back. But do you get any sense from his camp or others around the league that he may be on the move? Yeah, the conversations I've heard are it's it really kind of ground to a halt. And now it pretty much sounds like he's coming back. Um, it sounds like the Bulls became more and more comfortable with the idea of resigning him as time went on. I think they definitely explored what the market was for him in sign in trades. And I think that Levine probably looked around pretty significantly to see what is out there for him. But I don't think that there's a better situation. Levine likes Chicago. He's happy there. Um, you know, that's another clutch guy, right? So there's a lot of, of pressure there, but Chicago's to have a market and I think clutch wants a foothold there. So I actually kind of think I expect Levine to be back on a max um, with them. The question, question will be whether it's a four or a five, but I do expect him to be back with Chicago. All right. And so we're going to switch gears a little bit and give you some, some more actionable stuff here. I know Matt, you have some uh, Clippers futures that you've already 
put into place before the season even ended. I know you're really feeling this Clippers construction and what they could potentially do in the 2022-23 season. But John Wall has agreed to a contract buyout with the Houston Rockets. So with him now pending any last minute changes here, he's planning to join the Clippers. Does this do anything, make you feel better, uh, a little apprehensive about your Clippers futures? Or what do you think John Wall's impact is going to be potentially with this Clippers unit? Nope. Thumbs up. Like it even more now. Happy with the bet. Uh, We'll see what else they do in free agency. So the big key here, I think, is one, I'd heard this. I was frustrated I couldn't get an article out soon enough because of the draft. I'd heard this a couple weeks ago that Wall was was likely to go to the Clippers. It makes a lot of sense. Kawhi Leonard's been after a point guard for years. Like, let's get a point guard. Let's get a point guard. What I think is great about this is how much positional flexibility the Clippers have. So Wall can play one or two. Reggie Jackson can play one or two. Paul George can play two, three, four. Kawhi Leonard can play two, three, four. Nick Batum can play two, three, four. Marcus Morris can play three, four, five. They have so much positional flexibility. They have shooting, which is pivotal if you're going to play wall, is you need another shooter around him. There's no reason that he and Reggie Jackson can't play together. That's a perfectly fine pairing. Wall is not a negative defensively when he's engaged. And I actually thought that when he played in Houston, the very few minutes that he played, he actually looked pretty good. I thought Wall looked pretty good. That team fell apart after the Harden trade because they pivoted to a true rebuild, like they had some injuries. There were times when I thought they were actually pretty dangerous. I thought they looked pretty good. I think Wall's got minutes left in him. They can manage his minutes. They will manage his minutes. He'll have a lot of night off. Like He'll definitely be a guy that I think is going to be sketchy for DFS purposes. I think he's going to be sketchy for prop purposes in terms of how many minutes he's going to get. Sure. But I do think Wall has enough to be able to give them what they need. It's a low-cost maneuver for them. I think this is a really good addition it only makes me stronger on the Clippers position. Yes, uh, I, I tend to agree, man. And I wish I got in on some of that Clippers future because I know that they're going to be, they're definitely going to be making noise this year, uh, this upcoming season. And lastly, wanted to talk about DeAndre Ayton a bit. Um, certainly some rumors about where he may be potentially headed. If you look at odds, courtesy of DraftKings, in some states, you can actually bet on the destination for DeAndre Ayton. And right now, the shortest odds still remain with the Suns at plus 100. but Want to know if you're betting this, where are you putting your money right now? So I see the Pistons are second shortest favorites at plus 200. You have the Spurs at nine to one Pacers at 10 to one Hawks at 12 to one um, Blazers, 25 to one. So just curious of what your thoughts on DeAndre Ayton and what you're hearing from the Phoenix side of things on whether they're actually going to uh, keep him around uh, for the long haul. There's a couple of names that aren't on this list that I think would be interesting. If you see a Kings prop pop up somewhere, I would actually give them a look. Okay. They're looking to win now, and that's an offer. I think that they like they'll those teams had talks in the draft before the draft about a, an Aiton deal. So I think it's it's possible that they could revisit those around some sort of construct involving Harrison Barnes. Um, so that would be one that I would look at. The other one that I, I identify on there, the Raptors at twenty to one. That's a pretty compelling offer. If you're Masai yeah. Ujiri and you're committed to the core, but you got OG Anobi, who a lot of people think has at least some interest in leaving again, clutch <laughs> client. Um, <laughs> and clutch would be happy with him going to Phoenix for a number of reasons. Chris Paul's there. Right. James Jones is there. Good friend of uh, LeBron James. LeBron. Like mm-hmm. that, that's that there's comfort there that those are organizations that are friendly towards each other. And if you're the Raptors, the Raptors are actively looking for a five that's been out there for quite some time. Like I reported that last deadline that they're looking for a five. So 
there's probably something to be done there. And that gets Messiah Ujiri. Like you've got Scotty Barnes and DeAndre Ayton and you've got Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet. And now you have four guys that you're really solid. You can figure out the other spot there. You can maybe move Fred Van Vliet or Siakam later if you want to pivot towards a real rebuild. That makes a lot of sense. I haven't heard that specifically as an option, but I have heard that Toronto has at least some interest in Aiden. And finally, maybe the other one is the Hawks. Uh, that one has some interest for me just from the perspective of if we're looking at it logically and we're like, okay, who has players? Because the Suns want players because they want to win a championship now. Right. Who has players they're willing to deal for Aiden? And the answer is the Atlanta Hawks. They have players that they're trying to move at every single position. So whether it's Capella or Collins or um, Bogdanovich, all of these options are out there. If the Suns want to make a move or are looking for that, there's probably a little bit of liquidity in those moves as well. That, that's what I would look at. I would not bet the Suns plus 100. Uh, they have signaled that they are willing to go four years on Aiden but not five. And there still continues to be the tone that this, this is not a reparable situation. So I don't want to bet that it's not, I'm not saying it's not possible, but I don't like the number at plus 100. And I actually don't like the Pistons at plus 200. I think the Pistons are at plus 200 because they're the only team that anyone's like, Oh, like they're going to put in an offer. A lot of things can happen to that cap space. And you have to get to a point where Deandre Aiden wants to make that move. So right. I think the best value are the longer shots, like the Hawks plus 1200, the Raptors plus 2000 i bet the nets before kyrie irving's opt-in um because i had heard that kevin durant has always had an affinity for for chris paul devin booker that group so uh i heard that but i think that's off the table now with irving back in the fold so i think that's dead but i do like uh raptors plus 2000 hawks plus 1200 i think are the best bets on the board and your dark horse for the kings they are 70 to 1 so uh certainly some value there that you may want to sprinkle so that'll do it for Buckets Free Agency Edition Part 1. Matt will be back on Thursday, and hopefully Brandon Anderson will be back from uh, his brief stint on health and safety protocols. But, yeah, make sure you check out the award-winning Action Network app for the latest and greatest for all things free agency rumors. Be sure to rate and review this podcast for a chance to win a free one-year subscription to Action Pro, where you can get the latest line movements, track your bets, all the good stuff that you get from the Action Network talent and crew here. And uh, we'll see you next time. Let's get buckets.